Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, and welcome to this Spiritual Fix episode 16, season four. Today we are interviewing again our beloved shaman, guide, and mentor, Robbie Hocheck. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina. Let's see. Hi, Anna. Hey, Christina. And hello, Robbie. Hello. Hello. Oh. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. We have with us today our shaman, frequently referenced teacher, mentor, and guide, Robbie Hocheck. Yeah, we're just hanging with Robbie at the lake. And if you are new to the show, then you might want to go back to episode 15 of season two, the episode called Six Things My Shaman Taught Me, where we give a basic outline of some of the most important teachings Robbie has bestowed Christina and I with. And we really think you'll like that. We got a lot of wonderful feedback from that episode. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we up to today, ladies? We're going to talk about some new stuff, aren't we? A lot of new stuff, yeah. Yeah. A lot of new learning. A lot of new learning. Yes, absolutely. We are up here at a Wild Woman Weekend, right? Yes. Yeah, so to set the stage, once a year, hopefully twice a year, we get together, the three of us, in the mountains of North Georgia, and we have two or three days together. We all bring some sort of healing therapeutic concept or activity to partake in, even if it's just hiking. Yeah. And we take turns kind of facilitating some sort of thing. And we all support each other in our growth. And it's a great time and place to just be unfiltered. We make jokes about elephant semen. (laughs) We we basically just are free to do anything. Yep. Unrestricted weekend. Unrestricted. And we have lots of fun and we support each other in our growth. And it's, it's a great, great thing to have. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This one has been particularly interesting for me because we're right off the back of the, of the father wound and the father wound in it, all its glory, I tried to avoid for as long as possible while Anna did the work and <laughs> found out that in fact that is not possible to do. It is a fallacy to think that we can be in this podcast and not do the work associated with, with whatever it is. So I wanted to share with you guys one of my learnings. These guys have been incredibly supportive of me this whole weekend while I've worked out kind of as I've uncovered this kind of abuse cycle that I've been in. And they've been so supportive in helping me see things. 
And it was interesting because I've been in a very raw state now for about a week and a half. And last night they both just were like, you're at war with yourself, you know, and not, you know, and not quite those words, but they were like, you're at war with yourself. You can tell that you're, you're hating yourself and you can't be comfortable with who you are that like you're not accepting and that you expect that you were going to be perfect the first time out, the first time you got re-triggered or got Mm -hmm. in in front of of the thing that you always did before. It's like shadow work, shadow work, shadow work. One time, first time, I'm going to do it perfectly. And that's just not the case. And they helped me realize that a lot. So for those of you who may have lost confidence in yourself or may have parts that are pissed off because you walked into the same trap again and you reacted in the same way or a similar way than you did before, you have to cut yourself some slack, y'all. Right. And, and as we said before, you can measure growth in three different parameters, frequency, intensity, and duration. So you know, the frequency with which you get triggered might be less, even if it's only one less, that's, that's improvement. The duration, let's say the trigger, you know, usually would upset you for a month. Now it's just two weeks. That's an improvement. And then also you have intensity. Maybe when you get triggered, it's a 10 out of 10. And this time it's only a nine and a half Mm -hmm. out of 10. And don't think that just because you're doing shadow work or therapy and then you jump in the lion's den, you're going to defeat the lion on the first right. go. Like it might take you a hundred or even a thousand tries, but if you can yeah. even have the slightest bit improvement, or even if that improvement is only awareness and you're just aware like, oh, I did that thing. I always do again, but this time I saw myself doing it. Right. That's improvement too. So don't be too hard on yourself. In Chris's, Chris's example, it took her 36, 37 years, 37 yeah. years to realize that this thing in her life was an abusive situation and and she's not going to get trigger free on the first run in with it again right and i think another aspect of that is it's important that the trigger whatever it is it triggers you gets loud enough to where you can't stand it anymore yeah then you have to face it yeah because for so many people they they get upset about the trigger and then they run and hide or they they go into avoidance and so what ends up happening is the trigger has to get louder and louder and louder because we came here to resolve that trigger. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't resolve it, when we don't face it, it has to get louder until you can't stand it anymore and you have to resolve it. Right. It's like someone at your door. They're going to knock on the door. You don't hear them. They're going to knock on the door harder. <laughs> and then they're going to bring the doorbell a hundred times. And they're going to barge in. in. So it's like the back door. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can address it when they just knock the first time. Because right. they're, they're going to barge in if you don't answer the and door. And I've watched it over and over and over in my clients when they use avoidance. And then, like you said, the issue comes barging through the door. And they're like, what the Right. I'm being invaded. Yeah. yeah, but that's the deal. And like one of my mantras has been since the beginning of doing this kind of work is I've always t- told myself, I learn my lessons easily and effortlessly. Right. I earn, learn my lessons mm, easily. Such a good mantra. I learn my lessons easily and effortlessly. And I try to pay attention to every knock because mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. if I can pay attention to every knock, then my goal or my hope is it doesn't have to turn into a barging in. Right. Although it does because that's or like... It can. Yeah, there's no judgment. It just is. Right. But if I can like, you know, really look at the smallest little knock on the door, then I then hopefully the universe doesn't have to send me a harder lesson. That's right. Yeah. And and so what was so interesting in this, a couple of other things I think that it would be interesting for our listeners to hear is that, you know, when, you know, not only was I giving myself a hard time for not for not being doing being perfect the first time. Being yeah. perfect shadow worker. Yeah. Being a perfect shadow worker and just being like, oh, I, you have no power over me. Like, it's like the fucking labyrinth. I don't know if you guys know that movie. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that movie. But it was so interesting because last night we were going to do a process in which, like, we were going to, like, kind of 
we didn't know what it was going to look like, but whatever it was, it was, it was putting me in the position of victim and putting the abuser in that, that position. And I was supposed to like, I was going to try and stand up to that person. Right. I was going to try and like play. And I felt really, really off. Like it didn't feel right to me. Like I was so honored that you guys were willing to do it. But for some reason, it just like, I felt I was really raw. I was so looking forward to playing the role of the (laughs) (laughs) Right? And, but for me, it felt like, for one thing, it was giving too much power to the external, to Mm -hmm. the abuser, to Mm -hmm. like, they, they don't even deserve to be mimicked. They don't deserve to have like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just an incidental thing. And I think, and so it was so funny because last night I was just like, I was in, I slept terribly and I was having all these very, very important dreams. So one of this one dream I wanted to tell you everybody about, because I thought it was, it was incredible because it, it highlighted my point of recognizing that this is, this is for me. This work is for me. This, this work is not so that I can like, it's always for me, but it's, it's actually an internal conflict I'm having as opposed to an external conflict. It's more so internal for me because I was having a dream and I was in a very typical situation with the person who I normally am, you know, at odds with. And same thing was happening over and over and over again. Like it was just the exact same thing. But this time I was standing up for myself and I was like, well, aren't you glad? You know, it was just like basically throwing back the same vitriol that I experienced myself. And I was just like, well, I was just trying to do everything I could to try and emotionally manipulate them and make them feel terrible. And then instead of them doing what they would normally do, which is just escalating, Mm -hmm. they just stopped and they started singing this song. And the song is The Water is Wide. And for anybody who knows this song, the first lines go, the water is wide, I can't cross over, and neither have I wings to fly. Build me a boat that can carry two, and both shall row my love and I. And this person in real life who was in my dream does not know this song. Like nobody in my entire life knows how much that song means to me. So only I could sing that song to myself and know how much it meant. And it was like a holy shit. I I didn't realize it when I woke up. I was like, there's something to this. Like, why the fuck would my, you know, the person I hate sing an incredibly important song to me Mm -hmm. that they don't know? How did they sing, by the way? Well, they didn't sing anything like them. They sang like me. Oh, of course they did. Right? Oh, I'm getting chills. And so I, I was having my moments this morning, having not slept. You know, like I had just all this, and I was, I was out at the lake meditating, and I was, I was just having processing, and I started playing the song because I was like, I got to play the song, even though I, I even had resistance to playing the song because I was like, well, my, you know, abuser is singing the song. Why would I want to do that? So I started listening to it, and I was like. Oh my God, I, the, who, the person in my dream who was appearing as my enemy was me, was the aspects of myself that were like my enemy. And she was asking, she was saying, the water is so wide between us that I can't get back to you because you've exiled me so far from your experience You've made it so that I am so far from who you want to be, but I'm the one who can help you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm the one, because I had been asking for that in the morning. I was like, I want my, I want, you know, I want the part of me that couldn't be controlled, which is why I got into so much conflict because I couldn't be controlled when I was a kid. I was like, where's that part? Where's the part that was like, fuck you. I can't be controlled. Like, where's the part that is going to, is like, you know, going to stand up for myself. And that was the part I had exiled because that was the part that was like 
my abuser. Yeah, yeah. And so she was singing this song, the only song that could have done this to be like, it's me. You're exiling yeah. your, your, this part of yourself and you need to pull me back into the fold. You need to create the boat mm. so that we can row together in this. And it was like, oh, it's amazing. So, mm-hmm. and, and just to come in here with like a little bit of, of tying things together. If you go back to episode 20 of season three, Christina goes into detail about the internal family system. So if you're not familiar with that, that's the episode she's kind of referring to that we do have parts. We have so many exiles inside of us, our, t- our two-year-old self, our eight-year-old self, the 10-year-old self, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that episode helps you understand how to communicate with them and see them. So you basically exiled the part of you that reminded you of your abuser. And that's what the song and the dream are trying to tell you, that if you heal that rift, then it doesn't matter what the one in the this world does, right. the 3D, because the one inside you is okay. Yeah. You just walked the path to wholeness. It was amazing. Yeah. It Welcome so back, because yeah. you were, like, grumpy yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> she was in pain. No, you weren't I was grumpy. In, I was in significant pain. Yes, yeah. you were. And, and I've been in pain for at least, you know, a week and a half, two weeks now, and just been just been in constant stress response cycles and not really knowing how to get out of it because well, that the, part was fighting. Well, and it was time for you to face it. Yeah. It was getting mm-hmm. loud because it was time for you. You have more important things to do than wrestle with this. You right. needed to be whole. Yeah. But but just think also, like in the grand scheme of things, thousands of people listen to every episode that we put out. And your story, as much hell you went through for two weeks, might, of the couple thousand that listening to this episode right now, you know, what percentage are getting something out of that? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Even, even if it's only me, even if it's only me, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. that. I'm like at this point I'm well, just so fucking just happy but, that I'm like <laughs> but it's not just yeah. it's not just you, you. Yeah, 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 we're yeah. connected to everybody and someone listening is going to be I'm sure someone listening has an abuser or or, or a quote unquote enemy in their life and if they can say well maybe I'm so triggered by that person because there's a part of me that I've exiled that reminds me of them and if I can love that part of me yeah then that person outside of me can't barge into my house anymore because we're loved in here you know and another point is that whatever you go through you're contributing that to the collective yeah so any other person who has a resonant frequency between you and the abuser whatever is resonant in that you've just put a solution a templated solution out in the collective yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i'm 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 very grateful for it and i'm grateful if there's anybody so, who can who can find insight in it so how can we celebrate that part of you today i don't know maybe we Buy You're fucking wasted. I was gonna say, I was, <laughs> I was like, I never drink. <laughs> well, this calls for a special celebration. Put the lime in the coconut to drink. <laughs> well, if you think of something, let us know. I will. I appreciate. It. And that, yeah, like I said, you guys have been incredible and instrumental in giving me the space where I felt safe enough to be able to realize it. That's what a tribe does. Yeah. That's what a tribe yeah. is for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got questions for Robbie today. You want to start, Christina? Yes. We've been talking about Wild Woman Weekend. What is the Wild Woman? What is the importance of it, Robbie? The importance is that a wild woman gets to show up in her authentic self, no matter what that is, fully wounded, incomplete, broken. But the good news is the place where you're broken, the place where you're cracked, is where the light comes in. That is the the wounding and healing those wounds is your path to wholeness. It's your path to being who you came here to be. 
And it's in addressing those wounds and along that path of addressing those wounds, you discover yourself. Like, what a sacred journey that is. And a tribe, a wild woman consortium, honors each woman in the way that she shows up in the path that she's walking. What about for our male listeners? Like, what would you say is the male equivalent? I think there's a wild man club where men get to do whatever it is that they need to do. I know that, yeah, I know that men and women are completely different in how they how they process their emotion, how they process their wounds. And that's the beauty of a woman's group for me. I see it as being a very safe place for women to be whole and complete and broken and show up whatever the way they show up. And I think that there's a space for men to do the same thing. Now, the processing looks very different between men and women, but there still is a safe place between men to do their work. And I think that if you want that, you find your tribe, you show up, you create a safe space and the work happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of inclusivity of like, of recognizing too that some people are gender fluid and some people are transgendered. It's just a matter of ch- saying, okay, where do I want to identify with exactly. how I process, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, it, so the sex itself doesn't matter. It's the identification that matters. Yeah. It's the identification with the type of processing. With Correct. The type of yes, exactly. Yeah. We've gotten so many sweet, wonderful messages from listeners saying, you know, I don't have a tribe, but you, this podcast is my tribe. Yeah. Like how, what would you give as advice to someone who does want to find a tribe in the physical, in their community or I'd say hold that hold that desire because launching rockets of desire is what pulls the events to you. So we create all the time. We create with our thoughts are electric and our emotions are magnetic. So we create electromagnetic fields all the time. But the problem is we create unconsciously. So we create negatively. We create what we don't want. And we fill our auric field with what we don't want. My advice is fill your auric field with having a tribe. How is it going to feel? How is it going to look? What will happen in your life when you have that tribe? Mm-hmm. How will it feel to be part of that? What will you? What kind of support will you get that you don't have now? Hold that as an electromagnetic field in your, your aura. And it can't, by law of physics, it cannot right. not come to you. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit of some dating advice I once read. And it said, (laughs) well, no, it said, it said, you know, if you want to marry a man who goes to church, start going to church. Exactly. Don't look for that man you want to marry in a bar bar. (laughs) when you're looking for a church going man. And I know like as, as me, as a woman looking for a tribe of of women, I go to Vipassana courses, like because of children, things have shifted, but I used to go to Vipassana every year. And over the course of you know, a couple decades now, I've made three or four amazing best friends at these places right. because they're like-minded places. Yes, I'm going to find exactly. my tribe. I'm going to find soul-seeking women there, you know, or maybe maybe for someone it's going to a yoga class or a Reiki class or a breathing class or maybe going to a meetup in your neighborhood. But there's if you have an idea of what you want your tribe to look like, maybe go to those places that your tribe would be. Like, like right. you know, yeah. would they be at a strip club? I don't know. Go, go where your tribe, maybe. Go where your tribe be. would be. Yeah. 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 And if and if you're a type who has a tendency to find that the members of your tribe are maybe not co-located or there's some blocker that's making it so that, you know, oh, I have this person that I like I went to this, you know, I live in Georgia and I went to a retreat center in Massachusetts and I made all these friends, but they all live in Massachusetts. So, you know, sometimes those can be indications of of a level of, of, of kind of self-imposed blockers, right? right. So yeah. self-sabotage, yeah. whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily like, oh, well, if you can't find any local friends, then you must be blocking yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, 
being open to the fact that friends and tribes don't necessarily have to be co-located. I mean, I right, live in exactly. Milledgeville, fucking Georgia, you know, but I've, I've still managed <laughs> to find amazing people there. Mm-hmm. Right. And have then taken the, the kind of efforts to be able to like see the people who I have that tribe with. And then you can, and then you can build it. Right. It's mm-hmm. just be flexible with in whatever way you can, but find find those people who you can do your journey with and who, who you can build trust with because trust is that first massive right. crucial Absolutely. And, and something's block. coming in just because I don't know why it came up, but it was like the hallmark sign of an exploitative community is when the leaders are sleeping with the students. Absolutely. Like definitely yes. have the, the, the mind and the common sense that if you are entering a community that you know what the red flags are of a cult, right? Like exactly. if, if it's a community where the leaders are sleeping with the, the, student. the students, that's a red flag that there's power stuff going on. If you don't believe X, Y, or Z, you're excommunicated or shunned, that's another right. red flag. You know, you should it, it should be a community where you feel free to be yourself mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and give what you want to give when you're ready to give it too, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting. I don't know if you actually saw this. I sent this TikTok to you. This is kind of a non-sector but it has to do with cults is that there's actually a song on TikTok that uses a sound bite from the Jim Jones oof, experience. Oh, I it. Yeah. I wanted to tell you that because of your past life. Yeah, my most recent past life I died in Jonestown. Yeah, I could tell you that story another day. Wow. <laughs> I want to hear that story another day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, so just to follow up with the wild woman, when I think of a wild woman, I think of, of like, I, I think a lot of people, like when, it, when people have girls weekends, right? They're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to drink and we're going to do all this kind of stuff. But what are the also, what are the other manifestations of what a wild woman can be? And like, and like, maybe it's just your true authentic self, but you know, I don't know. Is there kind for of me, other no, example? For me, it's, it's a, it's a safe place for my true authentic self and my truth where I can speak my truth and I'm not going to be censored. I'm not going to be judged. I'm not, because you know, a lot of times my truth or my, the, the message I have is not necessarily public consumption. Right. It gets you so burned at the stake. It gets me burned. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, I've been burned at the stake more than once for speaking my truth. So I have a tendency to look at my audience before I speak my truth. But in this in this place, my wild woman group is a place where I don't have to edit myself. I can show up exactly who and how I am. And that's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. We're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Or fortunate. Both. We created this though. Yeah. Yeah. And it started off with us just having those. Tea. Yeah. Tea. Tea at Robbie's. Tea. Hanging and, with Robbie. Tea. And we also, and then, and then I, I don't know if we had mentioned this before, but you guys like before I moved to Indiana, which was 10 years ago when Anna and I first met and she was first getting to know you, we did the, we did a sauna. A sauna. We did an IR sweat. sauna. A sweat. And a, and an right. infrared sauna. Right. And we were singing and, yeah. and you were having all these, it was just the most oh, incredible thing that we, I never would have guessed that in that moment we would have. It was, I remember Robbie said that. I remember in that sauna, you said, we're all going to work together. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sweat lodge. It was a, it was an urban sweat lodge. Yeah. Yeah. Very Amazing. cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. So it's my turn to ask the question. And this is information that has helped me so much in terms of like, landing a job, seducing a man, being a badass. Like there's just so many ways this has helped me. Can you please talk to us about how everyone listening can use the tool of 
of embodying an archetype. Absolutely. That was one of the most powerful lessons I learned when I was first starting my practice. And how it came about was I had a client who was, un it was an unmothered woman and her, the mother was alcoholic and wasn't attentive to the, to the child. The mother was older. The dad had died, so this was a single mother. She was alcoholic, overwhelmed, had a young child, couldn't care for the child. So the, the child grew up and had a huge abandonment mother wound. So she came to see me for hypnosis. And as she sits in the chair, as I sit in the chair, I feel this really strange energetic pull. Like I'm being pulled, like there's an undertow in the ocean and I'm being pulled out to sea. I'm thinking, what did I? What is that? I don't know. So I start doing the session with her, and I had been trained as a certified hypnotherapist, so I'm doing hypnotherapy with her. And I'm it's the strangest thing. I've never had this happen. Everything was like foggy. I felt like I was walking down an alley. I didn't know where I was. I couldn't find my place. I'd lost my place in the session. It was horrible. So then once we come out of the session, I say to her, I'm so sorry, I'll refer you out, which of course stepped on her abandonment wound. Mm -hmm. So she starts crying. It's a huge mess. And I'm thinking, I don't know what happened. I, I have no clue how any of this happened. So after the client left, I went to my mentor and said, what the hell? What, what? I've never had anything like this before. What is this? And she said, that woman's wound, her mother wound was so strong and so embedded in her psyche. When you sat down in the chair, you became mother. And her wound was so strong, it pulled you into the format of her mother's archetype. So what you have to do to combat that is create your own archetype so that you can withstand anybody else's archetypal pull. Mm. So having trained in the Native American communities, I created a shaman woman. And the, there's one of the keys is having one article of clothing or something that you have that in a nanosecond you can pull. And of course I was initiated with moccasins, knee-high moccasins with Speedy. yeah the, the conchos, conchos on the side. And so for me, that was it. I had, as soon as I pulled those on, pulled those boots on in my mind, I was in the archetype of the Native American healing woman. Like, gag, okay, great. So I go, I see this client comes back, surprise, she comes back to see me again, and I sit down in the chair, and I feel that same pull. I'm like, oh, crap. And I, I'm in my mind, I'm on my back, being pulled out to sea, yanking those boots on. <laughs> Quick, get the boots on. <laughs> Don't lose control of the session. So as soon as I got those boots on, the archetype is a template of behavior that lives in the collective unconscious. And then when you are sitting in a created archetype, you are immune to any of the other energies that people that people use. Mm -hmm. So it was a very effective way. And so now I always have my archetype of the healing woman on mm -hmm. because people's wounds are so big and there's so much energy in their wounds that if someone sits across from me and I don't necessarily know where they're hiding their wound, their wounds can be pretty powerful. And I don't ever want to be overwhelmed by someone else's energy. So that's a way for me to stay in my stay in my own space and hold hold my space so that I can be effective no matter what's going on in front of me. And like, I think other examples of archetypes could be say Marilyn Monroe. Exactly. She, she's fully embodying the archetype of Venus, yes. of Aphrodite. And then like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. I, I, in my mind, she totally embodies that archetype of lady justice, you know, you know, that very severe. Yeah. 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 
and for men like John Wayne, he's the cowboy. He's the lawman. He's the cowboy mm, the type. Hero, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's he's the hero. He's the good guy. Or like Django. I like that even better. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, like a really like incredibly powerful who's able to overcome all sorts of adversity, yeah. you know, and all sorts of, of things that are working against him in order to just be like, yeah, I'm still right. yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, and there's different ways you can play with archetypes. Like you're getting ready for a party or something. You're like, I'm going to put on the the archetype of the Sphinx and have a lot of fun or whatever. Yeah. You know, you can just... Um, and you don't have to use the same one over and over. You can switch them out daily. You can have a different one for every day or every every situation that you're in that you want help with. Yeah. And it, it and it's interesting you say that because I feel like sometimes it doesn't even have to be an archetype too. If there's a person you know who has qualities that you appreciate and you want, like, especially if they've passed or something along those, I guess John Wayne would be an example of somebody who's passed to do that, but of, of basically saying that I know this, I have this, this person has this characteristic and I want to, I want to emulate that, that. emulate right. that, right. Yeah, not steal it, but emulate, emulate it. Yeah. 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 And I think like sometimes we unconsciously fall into them, like the, the archetype of the lioness protecting her cubs Absolutely. or the bear, the yeah, bear, yeah, yeah. The, the mama bear, the mama yeah. bear protecting yeah. her cubs. Like, we will like step into that archetype blindly sometimes, and it's like, you will not d- hurt my kids. And I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, I was tapping into my mama bear. Well, you know, you're right. I have a memory of a, a ceremony we were doing, and I was putting on a black cape. It was a it was initiation, and I took a black cape and I put it on my shoulders. And the second it landed on my shoulders, I started to shake. This rush of energy came in. And I was like, oh my, what is this? This huge amount of energy. And later on, I was meditating going, where did that come from? And what was that? Well, when I put that black cape and it settled, I was leading the initiation. And so when it settled on my shoulders, I had tapped into completely unconsciously, I had tapped into the morphogenic field of all of the, throughout history, all of the leaders who had worn black capes to do initiations. And all of that energy was downloaded in a nanosecond. That's really neat. I was yeah. like, damn, what you know, is that? When you first told me about this, I was just wanted to play with it and see. So I was like going for a long walk and I passed by construction workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to put on the, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Vixen, Aphrodite one and just see what happens. I walk by and I get whistled at, whatever, keep walking. And then I see another group of them, and I'm like, I'm going to see what happens now. And I put on the, the one that you told me, the, the nun. nun. You put on the and nun. And I put on the arc of the nun. I'm wearing the same clothes, whatever. Yep. I put on the nun, the nun archetype, and I can feel myself. And, and so just to explain a little more clearly what Robbie told me to do is I imagine in my mind that I'm completely un, I'm undressing myself, and then I'm putting back on all their clothes. So, you know, in my mind, I'm wearing a nun habit and the crucifix and the rosaries and the ugly shoes. <laughs> and, uh, and the wimple. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and um, so <laughs> the look on her face, y'all. And so, and then like a new group of construction workers, same me, same outfit, same body, everything. But now I'm wearing the archetype of the nun. Not one of them looked up. Exactly. And so it's playing with that. You can start to see how, you know, they say, I think they said something like 90% of communication is nonverbal. Exactly. I bet you like 99% is energy. Well, what happens is when you enter a room, your energy enters before you. And so people identify you unconsciously with your energy. So that's yeah. exactly why that. Yeah, happens. and that, and I think it's fun to play with that. Yeah, because yeah. you're just like you're just like, oh my god! Like yeah. I totally, I swear, my hips started walking a little <laughs> different when I was in that Marilyn Monroe one, and yeah. and then when I was a nun in a habit, I'm like, oh, oh, stick up my ass. 
Yeah. And I, and I, before I even knew about that, when I was traveling abroad, I was traveling in Turkey and I was there for about six weeks and I was by myself and everyone has a tendency to have bad stereotypes about Turkish men and about how Mm -hmm. they can be really not lecherous, but just very like open with their admiration of women say that. And so when I was traveling in places I didn't know with people I didn't know, I would, I would put on, I would basically put on this steely male exterior and someone actually said something to me. Like once I befriended them, like once I befriended a man who he like owned a restaurant and I went into his restaurant and we started talking and things like that. He's like, he's like, you're very different now than you were when I first saw you. Right. He was like, you were very unapproachable when I first saw you. And I was just like, oh, that works. Yeah. Yeah. I was just working the art pad, baby. (laughs) I was running my power. Yeah. 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 Very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love archetypes. Yeah. The archetype energy is very powerful. And the fact that you can switch it in an instant. We could play a game of charades later today. Yeah. If we're like, we what put archetype on an archetype, do I have? We don't yeah. talk. We yeah. only guess the energy. Yeah. Like, what yeah. are That's you? That's awesome. Well, it's a, it's an exercise that I give to my clients a lot because for me, I did a massive. I had a massive breakthrough with my husband because I recognized that I was approaching him so often as the child, expecting that he was the father. Mm. Oh, and who the hell? Room. Yeah, and who want? Who the fuck wants to be a partner who has to be the father? of their child and what child wants to fuck their father. Like, you know, it's just not a thing. Right. You know, so I often tell tell my clients to just practice and be like, you try it first, you go and you try and be the parent and then you, and you be the child and then you be the partner and see how different that energy feels and see that you're actually approaching them with one of those three things and that you, you need to be very intentional about almost never going into the father or, you know, the, the mother or father or child when you're with your partner, because that's not your role. Like that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what you're there for. And that's how you can explore being equal partners and not necessarily having a more toxic configuration of your relationship. So, yeah. It's amazing when you get aware of what you can shift. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So I have a question. Yep. We've just passed the lion's gate on eight, eight. Yes. And it feels like the world is a little bit, I mean, I, I can attest to the fact that massive shit is coming up in my own life. It's like it's like my leaky energy. Any any energy leaks that I had in my system are not are being asked to be remedied at the moment. Yeah, yeah. What is going on with the energies right now? From what you know, a lot. There's a lot going on, and we've just passed, as you've said, we've just passed the Lion's Gate. That's eight eight, and that's a huge portal that opens every year on August eighth. We also right now have the full moon. And the full moon brings to light anything that you haven't looked at. So the moon, when it's light, shows you what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. So, And it's the harvest of what you planted in the dark moon. So whatever you did in the dark moon is harvested at the full moon. So it's a time for you to take a look at what's not working in your life, what's up in your life, and address it. And I think the energies on the planet right now are shifting so hard and so fast that whatever we haven't looked at, we as a people, as a population, haven't looked at. It's getting louder. You can attest to that. Yep. yep. And so I'm getting a lot of 911 calls like, oh, my God, my world is imploding. Well, yeah. Mm. So let's dig in and do the work. Yep. Yep. Do you feel like, you know, in terms of the kind of overall energy that a lot of people have been feeling in terms of, like, quote-unquote, breaking out of the matrix, right? So the idea of recognizing that there are a lot of controlling there's a lot of 
controlling patterns and mechanisms of control that exist in order to kind of keep people small, keep people right. under control. You know, what is the kind of weather forecast of what that's looking for right now, you know? So that's a very broad general question. Yes. And my answer to that is it depends on the person. Okay. So if someone is ready, to, like you, if someone is ready to crack, you came here ready to crack. Yeah. So if someone is ready to crack, the issue that they're facing is very loud and pervasive. You mm-hmm. can't run from it. You can't get away from it. In every aspect of your life, it's there to dog you because that's that's your job. You're, you have come to this planet. You have embodied to fix this issue. Yep. And there are issues that can only be fixed in the body. So people who are ready to be, people who are ready to fix their issues, it will get loud and they'll do it. There could be people who the issue is there and they just, they're not there yet. They haven't cooked long enough. Mm. So the issue will be there and they're not ready to address it or they don't want to address it. So it's gotten to the point where there are massive numbers of people leaving the planet. And the reason why is because the energies are shifting so quickly. They leave for one of two reasons. Either they have completed their work and they would have left anyway. So their time was up. They've completed their job or their spiritual elasticity has been maxed, and the energies are, are shifting and changing much faster than their ability to move with the energies. And this happens a lot with older people. Their flexibility just isn't there, so they opt to leave. Right, right. Okay. That, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to hear. I know it. Yeah. But it's a soul's choice. It is. It's always a soul's choice. Yeah. And ultimately, we choose... We choose those who leave us as well. Like for, we always have to experience the grief of loss if someone near us is doesn't have the spiritual elasticity, or they're leaving earlier than their time. And we can choose to step into that in the way that we need to. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's always a soul's choice to stay or leave, and there are no there are no victims when it comes to this. Right. Right. Thank you. Even if it's hard. Yeah. Well, I have the next question, which has to do with volunteer tributes. So we were talking the other day, and you were telling us the story of one of your clients who basically tributed himself to help others who have crossed over and don't have a physical body heal some things. So I was wondering if you could talk about the whole healing thing and then how you can do that. That was huge learning for me that happened just recently. So the story is a client came to see me, and he's... He's a huge heart. He's really he's a he's a cop. So his exterior is really badass. He carries a gun. He's a badass. He looks like he looks like a badass. I was gonna say like the archetype of the Miami Vice badass. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. That's, that's exactly, exactly what he looks like. like. Yeah. yeah. So he looks like and he's he does some um, dangerous. He does some dangerous stuff. But he's got this huge heart inside of him. He's really soft. So he calls me, he 911s me and says, there's something on me. I've been depressed for days. I can't get off the couch. And this is so unlike me. I don't know what to do. Can you look? So I say, yeah, yeah, sure. I start opening. I open up his field and I start looking, unwinding. And I find that he's got this huge tangle of energies. And I'm thinking, what is this? So I started unwinding it. And I found out that he had a energetic thread of ancestral trauma. And as I followed that thread, what I found was, for the price, so let me back up. Hundreds of thousands of souls wanted to be here during what's called the Great Awakening. They wanted to be here for that, but not, we couldn't overpopulate the planet, so only a certain number of souls were allowed to come in. When was that? 
2012? Yeah, I think it started around before that, but it really kicked up in 2012. So they wanted, souls wanted to be here and not everyone could incarnate. So on the ancestral trauma, for the price of the body, they said to their ancestors, I will take on some of the trauma in my mother's line, matrilineal, and some of the trauma in my father's line, and I'll work it through because there are traumas that happen to a body on the earth plane that are so tuned to the earth frequency that they can't be resolved in the etheric realm. They have to be resolved in a body on the earth plane. So he had that, he had that thread. So we resolved that. And then I found out that he had also included personal past life trauma. So he had had a lot of, he's been a soldier and a, and a cop in law enforcement, lots of lifetimes. So as a soldier, he suffered a lot of physical trauma. Well, that was also a thread in there. But in addition, all the souls that couldn't come in, he had said, I will take on a lot of healing in my body on the earth plane. And when I heal that, it will be in a vibrational resonance where you, the soul who doesn't have a body, can connect to me and, and you can heal from that. So as I'm working on that, I found out that there's a job description for human souls called a volunteer. And that's what they do. They volunteer to work through issues that are in their own timeline, but they connect to souls who don't have bodies so that those souls can heal. Mm -hmm. So they just connect and energetically they're healed. And another thing I found on him, so I fixed all of that or I unwound all of that. And then the other thing I found was that he had two cops attached to him who had been sexually abused. They were older and they were dead. They passed on, so their souls were attached to him. They were, one was in his late 60s and one was in his 70s, and they had been abused as children, and they were so shamed that they could never address it. When you're saying they're cops, you mean in their lifetime they had worked as police officers or they were yes. cosmic cops? No, they were cops in the lifetime. Okay. And because there was such, because there was such a stigma around that, they could never talk about it, they couldn't address it, they couldn't. And so they had attached to him to heal that because sexual trauma is something that can't be healed or is not readily healed in the etheric body. So some people who might be sad for no reason or experiencing trauma for no reason, they may have signed up to be a tribute and help someone else exactly. heal their trauma. Exactly. And that might make sense for someone who's had like a quote-unquote perfect childhood or whatever. And then exactly. They deep I have a client. I have a young client who is 21 and when I first she first came to me she was on the highest dosage of anti-anxiety medicine highest dosage of antidepressant meds and she was cutting and she said I don't know why I'm like this my parents are still together I live in a beautiful house I went to a great school I have friends I've got a fabulous life why am I like this come to find out she's a volunteer she's a volunteer for people who who need bodies plus her ancestral lineage had a lot of depression and anxiety. She opted to, to come into this lifetime to fix it, to heal it. Right. It just it just goes to show that what comes up in your system, it isn't about proprietary. It's not about this is mine and versus this is others, right? So if you're dealing with one of these situations, you're dealing with a situation in which it's coming into your field of awareness and, and that's it. Right. Like your your understanding is this is coming into my field of awareness. I need to do something about this, whether or not I generated it, whether or not I generated it in a past life or whether or not I'm generating it's other people ancestral ancestral or, you know, the people who are attached to my volunteer tribute 
thing or doing it, it's coming into my awareness for a reason and I need to accept that it is there and then I can use one of many tools in order to be able to process it and deal with it. Exactly. But once we real, once she realized that she was a volunteer and had taken this on and that when she fixed it, so to finish the story, she herself got off of all the meds, completely off the meds. She's not depressed. She's not anxious anymore. And she completely quit the cutting. And she said, that is my tribute to my ancestral line. So she felt very happy that she was able to heal her ancestor, take it on at such a young age, take on such something so intense and heal it and contribute that to her ancestral line and the collective. Right. Mm-hmm. So her understanding Shifted. of, well, but her her understanding of why she was feeling that helped her to... Absolutely. Right. Okay. So she was no longer a victim, she was empowered. Right. It helped her put it in context, like, oh, it's not mine. Like you said, it's not personal. It doesn't really belong to me, but it's mine to do because I signed up for it. Right. Which is also what, what did, did, just to kind of finish the whole, like, if it doesn't belong to you, then there's absolutely no reason in hating yourself or still having it. Right. Right. Which is right. one of my problems, right? I always she was doing like, I should well, know better. <laughs> right. Why? I have a perfect life. Why is this happening? Well, because yeah. you signed up for it. Right. And it kind of reminds me what S.N. Guenka says in the Vipassana courses, going back to the proprietary thing, as he said, things are going to come up and you don't need to know why it's come up right. or where it came up from. He uses Vipassana or you could say meditation, awareness, healing as your soap. He's like, you take the soap. And you wash it. He says, when you're doing your laundry, you don't pick up a stain and look at it. Where did this come from? What is this? What is this? You just pick up the soap, wash it, wash the clothes, end of story, clean clothes. Who cares? Don't, you know, you don't go through every single dirt mark in your laundry to know where it came from. And you could treat the shadow. Yeah, and place blame. Just, you know, if you're doing shadow work, you don't need to know all the details. Just wash it. Just clean it out. And sometimes you will have a stain and you really, really need to know where it came from so you can treat that stain appropriately. Yes. But for the most part... Just wash it. Yeah. Because yeah. it could be ketchup or it could be blood. Like a friend of mine says, when you take the trash out, you don't go through it. You just take the trash out. I like that. Yeah. That's really, really good. And then going back to my question where I said, was he a cosmic cop or a real police officer? Can you talk a little, both of you, I don't have much experience with cosmic cops. Can y'all talk a little bit about what a cosmic cop is? Well, yeah. I have experience with the ultimate cosmic cop, Archangel Michael. So when I'm doing, he helps me when I'm, I have clients who come in who often have demons or dark entities attached to them. And so I don't want to make the decision what to do with them. I don't think that's my place. So when I pop them off someone, I give them to Archangel Michael and then it's up to him to deal with it. I don't, I don't want the karma of dealing with that demon's future. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's my Mm -hmm. place. So I give it to Archangel Michael and let him make that decision. That's really interesting. I do the same thing, so I use Hecate. Oh, you said Hecate, no. right? Is That's that better. yeah? But Hecate and Archangel Michael. Whenever I do the spiritual surgery that we do, that Anna and I do with implants, or whether I do other things like spiritual entity attachments, I always use them because I know I know people who use it in their practice to actually murder or kill the entity, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I don't want to fucking deal with that. I give it to God. I said, like, right, exactly. I, give it to, I imagine it going up to God, and then God can decide where it needs to go. Right, I don't want to make that I decision. Yeah, yeah, because you just don't know where that comes from. Well, and here's a hint. If you are going to pop off demons or pop off dark entities, have Archangel Michael standing right there with you. Yeah. So I had a client come in to see me, and I didn't really think about it. This is early, early days. She was a sex worker. She was a dominatrix. And so there's a technique that where you stick your fingers right into the pubic, kind of curl them up under the top of the pubic bone. And as I was doing that, balancing her energy... 
a sex demon popped out and her head turned, her physical head turned and she looked at me and went, <laughs> like, oh, oh, I know what you are. Okay, okay. So I popped it out and this thing, it was dark and it, looked, it was humanoid looking and it's on four, it's got the, the hands and the feet attached to the ceiling. And I'm thinking, oh crap, I got a client on the table and a demon on my ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so during the initiation, during my shamanic initiation, I was gifted the gift of fire. So I channeled fire at this thing and I'm, you know, pointing it into pointing a fire stream at this thing. I hit it and it goes, eee! The client's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I'm chasing a demon around the room trying to hit it with fire. Like, oh my God, this is so not professional to be chasing a demon with a client on the table. So I called in Archangel Michael. I'm like, oh my God, please just take it. Just take it. He came in and took it. So that's my mess up. Don't do that. Have Archangel Michael there before you pop any demons off. Yeah, yeah. My my first experience with the Cosmic Cop was actually when I was cleared by a psychic. And I'd never heard the term before. Mm. Before somebody said, you have two on you. And they, he used it in the context of it was a regulator. It was like a regulator on your speed, right? So that basically in past lives, you'd fucked up. I have this, this is a very recurring theme in my life that I apparently have been quite powerful and have kind of either abused that power or been careless or reckless with it. That's a very common thing that I experience a lot in my life. And apparently, like, one of the things that I was like is like, I promise I won't do it again. Yeah. Look, I'll just put a little cosmic cop, slap a little cosmic cop on me so that they'll make it so that I can't go into that area or that I, you know, my, one of mine had to do with politics, right? So this was, a, this was one of those funny stories is that when I was in college, I was in student government and I was a, I was a senator. And one of my, my, my best friend in college, he was the student body president. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to run for student body president. I was already president of my sorority and I was like already kind of doing all this kind of stuff, but I was like, I can do both. Right. Because I have a tendency to overcommit. overcommit, but it was so interesting because what happened in that case, right. Was that my, my running partner and I, we like, basically it was like one of those, we called it like a Ralph Nader because that was the time, right. It was like early two thousands. It was a Ralph Nader situation where there was like two Greek candidates, right. Meaning that they were two people who were in Greek houses. And so they split the vote a little bit between me and this other person. So I won the first election by only two votes, which they said was a margin of error. Right. And therefore if it was a margin of error, they had to redo it. Right. And then they redid the entire election. And then the next election, I lost by five votes. And it was one of those things I was so pissed at the time. I was just like, why the fuck did you, you know, why did this happen in the way that it did? Like, and they were just like, and, and I wasn't psychic at the time, but I got the message pretty loud and clear. I think it must have been in a dream or something like that. I mean, I guess I was always psychic, but you know, okay. that they were just like, were they it. were like, you are not supposed to be in politics. <laughs> We are telling you now, we are regulating you because you are not supposed to be in fucking politics. Even college, university politics, you have to fucking stay away from, right? Like, I did remove that cosmic cop, so maybe I can, like, do politics now. But I, I'm just like, I'll listen yeah, to that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever it was, I, I had to remove that. So it was funny. 
Okay, I have one. I have one last question, or this is something that I just wanted to comment on because I thought it was a really beautiful ceremony, and I thought that it was something that people could learn from that you mentioned. Right, tomorrow is my silent anniversary, so it's the day I become older than my mom ever was, and I can't think of two better people to be with during that time when that's there. And you suggested a ceremony that would be a really good thing for me to to do. And I was wondering if you could just kind of describe that for anybody who might find that this is a ritual or ceremony that they would resonate with. Well, because who died was your same-sex parent. Mm. And you identify as a woman. She was a woman. And so it's very important for you to speak who you're going to be past your mother's anniversary. Mm. So... Your whole life, you've had the, you've been living in the shadow of my mother died when I was six. She was thirty nine. So yeah. my mother died at thirty nine. That's been a marker your whole life, and you're about ready to go through that marker. And so, my feeling is that it's important for you to determine consciously who you're going to be beyond that marker. Mm. Who did you come here to be? What is it that you're going to do? What kind of powerful woman are you going to be beyond that marker? And it's also powerful to have people that you choose witness your passage. So this is a huge passage. So Anna and I have agreed to stand in as your pillars in this really powerful time. You know, the 888 has just finished. There's the full moon. We've been having solar flares. So there's a lot of energy on the planet, a lot of light on the planet. So it's, a, it's a, an opportune time for you to speak your future and then have us witness it. I also, well, I also just, I just turned 43. My mom died when she was 42. I've never had it in my head. The silent anniversary was never a thing for me. Like I'm only like, and I'm curious, like it might not apply for everyone, right? Like not everyone has to do that because I've never, ever measured my life against hers. My mother died when I was 35 and she died of ovarian cancer. I was very clear that was not my path. Yeah. Like that's hers. That belongs to her. Yeah, I never felt like yeah. my mom. Isn't that so interesting? Well, but you were six. I was, I was six. And for me, my whole life I've had to report. And I'm sure you guys have too, right? Like you go, you have to do your medical history, right? And I've had so many not so great doctors react visibly to what age my mother died of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. And be like, Oh my God, I had one terrible gynecologist who basically was like, Oh my God, you need, I was like 23 or 24. He was like, you need to have children immediately because you need to you're start breastfeeding way. and you're, you know, yeah, you need to start breastfeeding because you are, you know, basically implying that I was going to die. I had a doctor, my doctor, who's not my doctor anymore, three weeks ago, have the worst attitude ever with me being like, you have a, percentage chance that you're going to die of breast cancer. So yeah, we're going to do that. Like he was so assumptive, assumptive about it, you know, just, just absolutely terrible. And that's what I've gotten from so, so many doctors over the years. So for me, it's been highlighted particularly by the medical field that it's an anomaly or it's such a big deal or it's whatever, right. It's always been something that I've talked about that she died at at 39 and and that, you know, she had it for seven years. So she got it at 32. Your mom died of breast cancer. And mine did too. And my mom died of ovary. So all three of us, our mothers died of cancer and and specifically woman centered cancer. Yes. For me, I never had that thing with my mom about thinking that my, you know, my, I have an expiration date like she did, especially because as soon as I had good health insurance after graduating college, I got BRCA testing. Yeah. For anyone not who doesn't know, it's like a gene to see if you have it. And I tested negative, and that was my write-off. I'm like, nope, it's not in my cards. It's not in my cards at all. And, and that's, that's amazing. amazing. So I'm negative for those as well, but I have 
but mine was ambiguous enough to be like, you have other abnormal gene markers, which in the future could result in this thing. But that's more your attitude. No, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, your attitude was incredibly healthy and just like, ah, I'm not going to get it. That's totally fine. Whereas for me, it's been something that I've struggled with for years. You know? I didn't get tested because I knew I wasn't going to get it. Yeah. It was very clear to me that that was her path. That was her journey, not mine. Yeah. And, th- and that's the same thing. My, my family has a history of, of heart things that have come out recently and people have needed a lot of intervention, medical intervention. And everyone's like, well, it's genetic. And they look at me like it's genetic. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking, I don't care. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. that's not me. Like, yeah. I'm fine. My body, like, I'll test and make you guys feel better. But I am actually my okay. body, my choice. <laughs> yeah. My body, my choice. But I haven't had that that same feeling with breast cancer and I feel like I'm getting to that point now where that I'm it's not my path it's not my path yeah it's not my path I found my cancer and it's not that yes you just, <laughs> this weekend you cured your cancer yeah. yeah yeah she means spiritually or symbolically her cancer was her thank, thank you. you yeah to exactly. clarify for yeah anyone. thank you so, Robbie, if anyone listens to you today and is thinking, wow, this woman's a badass, or as my husband calls you, he calls you the spiritual ass kicker. Yeah. <laughs> How's the spiritual ass kicker? That's my favorite spiritual ass kicker. Yep. So, if anyone wants to find you to have a session, not only in person, but you also do phone and Zoom. Do you do Zoom or is it no, phone? No, I don't do I don't like Zoom because it's too much information coming off. Okay. This, it, but I do phone. I okay, do phone so if anyone wants a phone session or a live session with you, if they're yes. located in Georgia, what is the best way for people to find you? R-H at Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, last name Hocheck, H-O-U-C-E-K dot com, RobbieHocheck.com. Sounds great. Wonderful. Thanks for coming again. Thanks for having me. It's Thank been you. Fabulous. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. If you would like to get a hold of Robbie, her information is at the end of the episode, rh at robbiehocheck.com. Thanks. And remember humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilsey.com forward slash discover.